everybody. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, it's listed there as well. Uh, it should be up on YouTube in a couple days when I remember to get around to doing that. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. My email is Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. Some personal plugs to begin the show. First, I will be part of a team performing together for the first time in the next Sync or Sketch on September 7th, 9 p.m. at FIT. And then the following Thursday, September 14th, I'll be doing a monologue at Drew Cramshack's monologue show. So, there are two chances for you to see me trying to be funny in the next few weeks. And then the big show, Philly Sketch Fringe. Three shows on September 15th, 7 8.30, 10.30 at the Comedy Sports Theater, the Playground of the Adrian, whatever you want to call it. Tickets are available at myfirstsketch.com slash sketchfringe. Over the next few weeks, I'll be spotlighting a few of the interesting shows taking place during Philadelphia Fringe Festival. And first up is Tara Demi, currently a member of Manny Petty and the theater company Tribe of Fools. As Tribe of Fools presents Fishtown, a hipster noir, we look back to her first sketch called the STI Rap. Tara does the rap, and I jump in on the choruses as the hype man of sorts. So let's get to it. Michael Kimberly chillin' at a party, flirtin', lurkin', messin', testin'. The waters, doin' what the kids do best. Oh, who invited gonorrhea? See ya, I'm outie, hangin' all over ya. Mikey and Kimmy, watch out, too late. Frothy white discharge is your fate. Seven minutes of heaven? More like seven years of antiviral meds. Oh! It, it burns, burns when, when she pees, pees and he doesn't, doesn't know why. why. It, it burns, burns when, when she pees, but she thinks, thinks she knows why. why. It's an STI, mother effer. STI, STD, why me? Can't you see Brian had a fun date with a chick named Stephanie, fell in love at Wendy's. That night he wanted a doggy missionary mambo, should have stopped with the fries and cheeseburger because he got stuck with a crab's general awards combo. Brian's standing alone at this party, scratching, itching, thinking about Stephanie. Says he's taking off work for a vacation. More like daily ablation? Ablation? Google that shit. It, it burns, burns when he pees, pees and he doesn't, doesn't know why. It, it burns, burns when she pees, pees and she's, she's pretty sure she knows why. It's an STI, mother effer. Hey, Jim, I know that's not a pample, a dimple. Oh, it can't be that simple. Don't tell me your mouth is just stained from a Slurpee when I know you're best friends with a virus named Herpes. Night's almost over, but there's still time for some human papilloma. Oh, so blind. Not the band, the feeling. You'll wake up tomorrow with Anna Warts and realize you weren't dreaming. It, it burns, burns when he pees and he doesn't know, know why. It, it burns, burns when, when he pees, pees and she knows, knows exactly why. why. It's an STI, mother effer. <clears throat> I'm leaving. No goodie bag for me. Party is over. I have protection. No need for an abstinence lesson. I'm asexual. I read books and whittle. And if there's a really no lonely night, I just grab a pickle. Tickle, tickle. Kids, call your parents before it's too late. Doctor's office is a calling. STI treatment set the date. It's an SDI mother effer. (laughs) 
Hey, Tara. Hi. All right, so where does this come from? This is just bonkers to me. <laughs> it's like too specific, right? It gets a little bit too medical <laughs> at times, and so it's not fun. It feels like a guidance counselor trying to be hip like at a high school like <laughs> a- assembly like it just totally feels that's what you're going for in this um definitely although I probably wrote it trying to be really cool um I wrote it like seven years ago and it was it was, it was around that time where it's like it's not STDs anymore it's STI right 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 um get it right and I was like oh okay and I was with my um mom in a car in a long car ride and I had the chorus it burns when you pee and he doesn't know why <laughs> I had that pretty much set and my mother's a nurse so I asked her some details like ablation is like when they actually burn so off theoretically this is like medically accurate yeah oh yeah to an extent just to an extent yeah <laughs> I did my research for this um yeah, and it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I always imagined it would be a really cool 90s video. <laughs> Your uh, Google search history must have been awful, like, that week of just, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever awfulness you saw. And Was this ever performed? Uh, no, it was never done. I had a sketch group in college um, called, uh, I was in one called Tour Guides Wanted okay. in college, and uh, I kept pitching it to them. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like always my pitch <laughs> and it never hey guys i still have the sti rap come on let's do ba- it <laughs> have it in my back pocket whenever you're if ready we have three minutes left in the show we'll just do it it's okay <laughs> um and yeah so i always thought it would be filmed and it would be some like 90s kid part like i can yeah I, I can i can see the like the stylized version that you're yeah. like i can totally see it yeah and it would be, it's sort of educational. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's almost too educational. Um, you mentioned uh, a, you did sketch in college? Where yeah. was this? Um, Denison University. Um, and it was with um, a few people that I was on an improv troupe with, um, Burpee City Theatrical Company. That is technically one of the oldest improv, college improv groups in the world. Okay. In the world? Probably not. I'm going to say the United States. I, I mean, I'm going to just say Ohio. I'm okay. Take it <laughs> just <laughs> Some, you know, in the just, world. You know, just then at the just go Ohio. Just, it's the yeah. Lo- like, uh, um, yeah. And um, yeah, Steve Carell was on it. So that's, oh, like, that's, that's like our, I mean, like our, be like, we're funny because Steve Carell <laughs> founded this. Right. Like that's, we have to be good because he was a part of it at one right. point. Like, yeah. I'm always jealous of people that had sketch and improv experiences in college. Like, I really wish I did, or like even some people were like, "Yeah, I did this in high school." It's like, what how? are you doing in high school? What, like, how did you? Uh, it, it just bothers me that some people start so much younger than I did. When I, I know, yeah. There, even I was on a house team at Philly Improv Theater, and this brilliant uh, woman named Addie. She was like 17, and she had already completed like UCB classes. She's brilliant. She's in New York. She's gonna be famous at some point. Um, but yeah, I was like. I haven't even completed. <laughs> Wait, who am I? I'm like almost 30. What, what am I doing in my life? Yeah, these kids are in high school. They're like, oh, I've already written a million sketches and uh, I have a very refined comedic voice. Yeah, whenever I talk to anyone from Temple Smash, I'm immediate, I like, there's a part of me that's just like, yeah. I hate you. Like, They're so good. I wish I had this my, at one yeah. point in my life. Um, what started, what was your comedy fandom growing up? What were you into? What were you watching? What made you laugh? Oh, I don't know. I, 
growing up, I watched a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Mm-hmm. It's like Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison were like my go-to. Um, although, but I would say as much as I liked comedy, I didn't get into it until college as like a thing. Okay, so then what what turned you on in college? Um, making this improv troupe. They're uh, like, yeah, they're like auditions. So then what was so it like in your theater? I was mostly okay, a theater so kid. So for you being, I'm, I'm assuming a theater student, theater major, yeah. that improv troupe became just another muscle to flex. Like, yeah, it wasn't th- like, yeah. okay, let's try this. Like it, you didn't see who's lined it anyway on TV. And be like, I have to do this. I have to find I'm, this. Yeah, I saw who's line, but in high school, I wouldn't say I was funny at all. Right. I was like, oh, she's sort of quiet and nice. Okay. Um, and I think I had a twin brother who was very much like the class clown. And okay. that, that might have been like part of it where I was like, I'm not the funny one. Or I, I don't know. Or it's like, oh, theater is actually something I can study. So I was like, and I, th- I actually think a lot about this theater versus comedy because I do both. And there's something about theater where it's like, oh, it's an academic field of study and comedy isn't yet. But I actually think comedy for me... I found it in college and it all sort of clicked. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, this is an art form that I actually want to study and pursue. And it wasn't really until after college that I like jumped in with both feet and actually started to like watch stand up and watch sketch and improv. Did you have a favorite role in like as you were studying theater that you did? Yeah, I was in, um, in college, my favorite role, I was in, um, Ubu the King or Ubu Bois by Alfred Jerry, which is this absurdist. As I say, this is I, this it's is not a, a thing I've ever no, heard. No, no, it's definitely not like Tennessee Williams, but it's like a it's an absurdist um, play that actually would have a lot of interesting um, overlaps if done today, mm-hmm. considering like our president. Um, uh, but yeah, it's about uh, basically about a corrupt king. Okay. Um, and um, it's super absurdist. And I had like clown makeup on, and the whole play was like this big um, food fight. Okay. Um, and that was just an adaptation. That was just for that production. Like an actual like food. Like, yeah. You like are food. actually yeah. flinging food at each other. Yes. So like it was just we were in these Tyvek suits and we we're like throwing food and it's very physical. It's um, the performers o- almost appear like marionettes. They're okay. like puppets like that. Um, so th- I, that's when I first got into like physical comedy um, in sort of an absurdist way. So I've always been interested in where comedy and theater intersect. Um, yeah. Okay, so you do, you're doing theater in college. Mm-hmm. You join improv troupe. You do a little sketch in college. Ha- after you graduate, what's your experience coming out and doing other stuff elsewhere? Like... Well, I moved to Philly um, almost immediately after and then jumped into improv classes at Philly Improv Just went Theater. straight to improv. Yeah. Okay, so let's um, go through the curriculum. Who, uh, Improv 101, who was your teacher? I skipped 101. It was at a, t- <laughs> it was at a time when, like, like... It was like you got that waiver of, like, hey, yeah. I've done this before, so you... Okay. It was sort of... It, it was at a time at Philly Improv Theater where it's, like, there was, like, a few classes a session. Sure. Like, we were sure. just very small. This was six years ago. Um, uh, so yeah, I needed the 201 fit with my schedule and I had done a lot of improv prior. So okay. I only did 201 and 401 at, so okay. So 201, you completely skipped. All right. <laughs> who was your 201 teacher? Who was the, um, Amy Rowe. And then the 401. Greg Mon. Okay. Um, how did you skip three? Like I can understand <laughs> skipping one. 
How does how do you skip? Th- like I don't get that part. That's weird, that's weird to me. It is weird. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, I uh, uh, what happened? Out of two hundred one, I was cast on a house team in okay. Philly, and so at that point, um, then I was on it for a long, like in a year or so. Um, it was Hey Rube. When it was yeah, a very, hey Rube. A very early house team, and then and then at that point, um, company members, you're like, oh, you can take classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and where it was, it just made sense for me to go right to 401. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, I didn't quite uh, actually go through the curriculum, but the curriculum has changed so much at not tons at Fit, but 401 wasn't even the Herald. It was like special forms. Right. So mono scene, blah blah. Now 401's the Herald. So technically, I've I, and then I did UCB training, but like before that, I hadn't actually had a Herald class. Okay. So I was uh, like, what? So let's go through the UCB. Who are your instructors at UCB? Oh, gosh. Uh, a guy named Gavin. Okay. Um, and then a woman um, named Molly Lloyd, who I loved. You remember the full names of teachers you love. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. And the people you don't like, you're just like, oh, you're like, it's just Gavin. Um, uh, and, yeah, I don't remember. It, it was hard. My I haven't taken 401 there, but my 301, I love UCB, but my teacher was recommended, and it was supposedly, like, very good, and he didn't show up for half the classes. Oh, uh, <laughs> so that's, that's thanks. The thing is, I love, I really think UCB... I loved my 201 teacher, and I felt like I under Scott game the philosophy of the Herald. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll finish it. I'll go to 401 if I ever move to New York and, like, want to perform there. Okay. Um, so I didn't, I didn't finish it. But I will someday. Someday. That's fine. Yeah. There's no rush. But I'm bad. I should remember. I'm a teacher. I should remember my <laughs> teacher's names. <laughs> okay. So you get cast on Hey Rube here in the city. Um, and, like... I didn't see much since I've gotten involved in the community, the comedy community. I haven't seen much improv. Like I just know general names of like. So who was on Hey Rube, or okay. who was the director? Who were some of your teammates? Like Matt Holmes was the director. And okay. He's, uh, uh, does Matt and Matt and and um, Rare Bird and Show yeah. back in the day. Ooh, Ray, Rare Bird. I haven't heard Rare Bird Show in years. Yeah. I know. Like I'm like thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like seven years ago. This is fun. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm like, I need my resume. Um, people who are on Hey Rube, I'll say Lizzie Spellman was on Hey Rube, and yeah. I am on a hou- new house team at Fit with her now. Great, you just really got cast nice. on one of the new ones. Yes. Yay, congratulations. So thank you. Like um, and so I'm really excited to work with Lizzie again, and Lizzie also does theater, so it's very fun to work with her. Um, who else? A lot of older performers. Um, uh, Dennis Traffney, G- Jen Curcio, um, a bunch of people were on mm. Hey Rube. Aaron Herzog, uh, Rob Cutler. There was a mix of a lot. Of, like we had a few stand-ups, a few theater people. Like it was a hodgepodge. Right. And I always uh, call Hey Rube like a pretty angry team, <laughs> <laughs> full of hate. Not full of hate, but we were definitely like a darker team in okay. terms of our comedy and just our energy. And um, then, how do you get into sketch in the city like what's your first my uh, sketch in the city honestly is manny petty needed was getting some new people and they asked me okay (laughs) manny petty starts in early 2012 late 2011 and i manny petty to me i always have to remember what the generations are like first generation is madonna 
Brianna Kelly, Kate Thompson, Aubrey Williams, and Shannon Brown. Mm. They're the first five. Yes. Where do you come in? Like after most, a lot of them had left except Aubrey. So okay. um, it was. Because uh, I, I know at certain points, uh, Jess Ross comes onto the fold. Um, I was added after. Jackie Baker does it for a bit. I think yeah. Kate Banford was there for a while. That I came on with them. So okay. once once um, Kate and um, Jess had moved to LA. That okay. was when the team was like, okay, we need some new people. Considering uh, Aubrey Williams, we need some new. Uh, but Caitlin Weigel was already part of it then, and Corinne right, Wells. So they were sort of a cohort, and then they brought on a large group. Um, and the same thing that you sa- we were discussing earlier about like sk- a good sketch team is a team that has a similar schedule. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's job one to me yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. So um, we had a whole bunch of people join, and then. Um, trickle uh, other pe- trickled off within the next couple months. I want to say Molly Silverman was involved for a little right. like Karen's dream was like a show that it was like what seven Manny Petty. Yeah. It was just a really large group. Um, and after that that point we just couldn't like schedule other commitments and now we're down to four. So it's Caitlin Weigel, Corinne Wells who's in New York. Right. Um, Aubrey Williams and me. Right. Um, and we did Women in Comedy Festival last year, and then we did a show at Villanova University. So we did some out-of-town-ish shows. Um, but we're hoping to do a new show coming up in November. Hmm. Because there was, it's like, a, a, while. a retrospective, like, last year, wasn't there? Like, around Christmas time, a bunch of people came back to the city. Oh, yeah. Like, the New York and L.A. people returned and did a little, hey, we five years of Manny Petty, like... I missed that. I forget why I missed, I missed that, that too. I was okay. out of town. <laughs> and yeah. I don't. I don't think Corinne or Caitlin. I don't think they were able to. Make, so all the current. So members, it was. I think Aubrey was there. Right. Because Aubrey is the, the best. She's, she's the. She's the, the mother remaining of the, original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's the best of us. <laughs> um, so what other theater experience do you you do like before Tribe of Fools? Like let's bridge the gap from college to Tribe of rules not a lot honestly because i got involved with um theater admin i worked at fringe arts for a few years art and theater company so i had a day a pretty i mean if anyone who works in nonprofit theater knows that it's more than a day job so i had a pretty like hefty day job and so i really only had time for comedy and i did a lot of it i was on the in crowd for a year i was on like an independent team so i had three improv teams going for about a couple years um, then started getting into Manny Petty sketch. I went to uh, Italy for a year to study um, physical theater and movement-based theater. Okay, so I disappeared uh, for like a year. Okay, we had to talk. Then we had to talk about Italy. Like, this is so exciting. Wh- I'm, like, okay, so what? Like, why? I mean, I mean, I don't want to say like why Italy. I totally understand the appeal of Italy and pasta, learning pasta, 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 pasta. But like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that wouldn't be the pasta, thing for me pasta, at all. Pasta. Like, oh, so that's like my first like. Because <laughs> um, I like I understand. So why Italy? Like over any other place, any other excursion you could have done. Well, I've had a I fell in love with a theater <laughs> practitioner who's um, named Jacques Lecoq, uh, and he's a movement. He's um, no longer alive, but he came up with this whole pedagogy of movement-based theater Mm -hmm. based out of play and improv, actually. The whole conceit is that you improvise something and then you try to 
make it into something permanent but how do you retain the play of improv similar to like what's sort of sexy right now is improv to sketch mm-hmm. works the same way um so it's this theater practitioner um red-nosed clown right. um, a lot of mask work um have you ever heard of neutral mask there's all these terms that come out of this guy in france um in the 70s 80s that sort of made this whole earlier than that i think he was probably creating it much earlier than that but it was very big at that time um so I wanted the Lecoq training. There's a Lecoq school in Paris. Uh, there's one in Blue Lake, California, Del Arte. So uh, Pig Iron is also Lecoq-based training. I think I walked Their by, school. I think when I went to, is that the Del Arte one? Is that in like LA? No, it's in Blue Lake. Okay. Although there is, uh, there is a practitioner, Paula Coletto, in LA now. I was wandering teacher. around LA like last fall and like I just passed something. I was like, this is like, what is this? Like. It was, it was, like, a much fancier term, like, for theater. I can't remember what it is now, but, like, I was waiting for a show to start at uh, the Groundlings, and I was just wandering around that neighborhood, and there was something. And oh, so there is definitely there's sure, a school yeah. up there now. Um, uh, it was in Chicago, but now she's there, this brilliant woman. Um, so, yeah, there's schools popping up that, ha- that train <laughs> in this style, and I knew I wanted that training. And so I was doing all this admin work, working tons of jobs, and I was sort of saving for this school and I didn't yeah. know where it would be I was also there's Lispa there's I thought I really wanted it to be abroad um and then uh, Giovanni Fusetti who's like my mentor and one of my teachers open had the school in Italy okay. um and just from reading uh reading his scholarship and he was a, a teacher at the Lecoq school he was actually a teacher of the people who founded Pig Iron a couple mm-hmm. of those people um I was just like oh this is it um, and I went to Italy for a year to study for intensive study in this type of theater. It was 2013-14. I needed a change. I was about, uh, it was right after the fest, the Fringe Festival. I was working long days, and I was so heavily in admin. And mm-hmm. I loved the comedy, but I like, I, I knew I wanted this, and so I spent all my money. And you just f- flew to Italy for and a year. And I had year. a brilliant year. Wow. I ate pasta every day <laughs> i'm there was not a day <laughs> again that's not the the draw to italy I for mean. me <laughs> i don't like i might be the one person in the world that's not a huge fan of pasta or like you know unless you are like a celiac or whatever like do you like pork yeah i can i mean do you like meats I, i'm like you're like i'm I don't pretty like basic food. about like, ch- like chicken food. and like i don't know but like you know, I can have a ravioli every once in a while. I couldn't do it seven days a week, I don't think. I mean, which go to Italy. You might be like, this is amazing. I might convert to a pasta farian pasta. or whatever. That I'm super, I love pasta. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very obsessed with it, obviously. But. So you spend a year in Italy, this intensive training course movement. Yeah. And then you come back to Philadelphia. Yes. What's next then? I tried to be an actor (laughs) for like two years. I like had the six jobs um, and I did a lot of cool, interesting work. Um, At least I think it was. And I I jumped back into comedy, but I did a little bit more theater. And um, I actually did my first Tribal Fools show before I went to Italy. Okay. Um, And that was, it was called Shut Your Wormhole and it was part of PIFA, Philadelphia Philadelphia International Festival for the Arts. It's 
uh, I don't know if they still do that at the Kimmel Center, but anyway. I think they, I don't know. Or they do it every other year. I, Some, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, but I did a show called Shut Your Wormhole about time travel with Tribal Fools, and that actually was the, th- that working with this theater company, and it's a physical theater company that uses improv, it was sort of, and Terry Brennan, who's the founding artistic director of Tribal Fools, went, studied in Del Arte. Okay. Um, which is Lecoq-based training. So that was like my final push where I was like, ah, I want to be doing this more. I want this training. So I came back um, and um, for at least a couple years, I did a, tri- a couple Tribal Fools shows. We did this random reality television show on mm-hmm. True TV. Okay. Um, so I did, I worked with Tribal Fools. I jumped back in, into comedy and I purposefully didn't take a full-time job. Okay. I had like the six actor jobs. Right. And it was exhausting. I'm still tired. <laughs> um, so that. tell me about Tribe of Fools. Like what is the hook of Tribe of Fools compared to other theater groups, companies, because, like, the one thing I know about Tribal Fools, apparently there's a, a more movement-based, like... Yeah. But I'm not a theater person, so, like, you know... Honestly, you'll probably be able to describe it better than any theater person who tries to make it sound... Anyway, I'm always like, oh, theater people. I'm always trying to, like, make theater more accessible and not something that's like, let me use these big mm-hmm. theater terms. So, basically, I'm sure you could well, this describe is, it this brilliantly. This is your chance to make it more accessible. Like. Oh, here we go. Um, here we go. <laughs> Fixing a theater <laughs> problem. Um, what makes Tribal Fools different? Um, yes, movement. Um, but... Less dance, per se, and more. We do a lot of parkour, a mm-hmm. lot of acrobatics. Um, but I, what I think what Tribal Fools does really, uh, what sets us apart from other physical theater and movement and circus companies is storytelling. So the movement is really integrated into the storytelling, and okay. it's comedic. Okay. We, like, do really, like, it is funny work. Um, there's also, um, our shows are... Um, Philly-centric, so they always take place, they're always Philly characters, and they're always usually set in a specific Philadelphia neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They're Philly themes. Um, So it's super local, which I think is really cool. Um, Also, I mentioned this, it's, um, there is usually some sort of social, political issue embedded into the hilarity and into the story. So there is some satire mixed in. Um, so all those layers usually proves for a very entertaining, physically impressive show that also um, has characters you can connect to. And the characters are big. That's the thing with Tribal Fools that I think um, sets, a, sets us apart. And at first, audiences are like, what? Because it's not realism like we're used to sometimes with theater where mm-hmm. you go and uh, it, that the acting is very realistic. Um, Tribal Fools, the characters are ramped up to like a seven or an eight okay. um, similar to Commedia dell'arte I would call them like South Philly Commedia dell'arte so there's <laughs> they, it's almost to the point of character caricature or arch- archetypes okay um, and um, this exaggeration is not meant to offend but rather to um, really show <laughs> really show the humanity and insides of these people mm-hmm. and really amplify uh, socially or politically whatever gender whatever we're examining what's going on so okay. we ramp up everything. So yeah, sorry that was a long. No, that, like, um, is that just like an audition process when you first got into it? Like, 
that first show that you did, the the wormhole, was it Shutter Your Wormhole? Shut, shut Your Wormhole. Shut Your Wormhole, okay. It's about uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in time travel. <laughs> but that, And you just go in as an audition? like I was brought in because I did a reading for First Person Arts Festival, and I worked with this director, um, Meg Williams, Megan Williams, who um, is an amazing director in town, and she founded Flashpoint Theater Company, which is no longer around, but mm-hmm. was a very... Um, awesome company and she did a lot of work with them um, and so she was directing Shut Your Wormhole and brought me in yeah. um, so she is like the reason um, Megan Williams is a good friend of mine and she's like the, she's the reason I do theater in this town so at all like what other kinds <coughs> of roles are you taking in your actor time like um, is it all just Tribe of Fools it's a lot of tri- honestly the one Tribe of Fools because they're devised new shows we work on them for about four or five months. Right. Um, so it's a, that's a good chunk of my year. And then if I do a Manny Petty show, that's another couple months. And then if I do a few other comedy things. So usually I try to do another show um, in some capacity. Uh, so two th- theater shows a year and comedy, that's a full year for me. Yeah. But honestly, I'm, I'd be very happy just to do Tribe of Fools and then do my comedy. So you're not like outside. sneaking off to play like one of the stepsisters in Cinderella or like playing like one of the more mainstream shows or I mean, I, I audition from time to time mm-hmm. um but I'm definitely not um I guess a traditional actor and okay. like doing the big audition all the auditions and things like that yeah like, um is there a, is there a role in theater that you want to play like ooh. is there like are, is there something that you're dying to do at some point in your career I'd love to be head of gabbler and Ibsen's Hedda Gabbler. I, and what, I don't know what that is. Uh, she's just basically this, uh, the play's called Hedda Gabbler, and she's just like this badass lady that got married when she didn't want to. Okay. And she's sort of just, I mean, there's there's tons of interpretations of this character because she's difficult to figure out. Um, but she manipulates people around her. Uh, it's hard to know if she's a sociopath or just depressed. Mm-hmm. Like she's just a very complex female character. Okay. Uh, so I'd love to play her. Yeah. Like I've heard that name, and I don't know if there's been a movie or like I, like that's not a name that's totally foreign to me. But I just I don't know what the context of that character or yeah, that it's, uh, show is. Right. I know very little about theater, like outside of standard musicals and like. Right, but that's I mean. I, I like I keep saying like I think that's totally okay and I think theater which Tribe of Fools does a really good job is making sure it's accessible mm-hmm. and I think theater for the most part I'm generalizing is too expensive and if yeah. you if you read the synopsis for a show or if you go see a show and you think the movie would have been better <laughs> then it's not the show that we need to be doing it so okay. it's film basically years and years ago when film came out uh, uh, film one, film does yes. realism better than theater does. And yet, and in Europe and other places, they, uh, they're like, okay, theater needs to become something that has to be live. Yeah, it has to be live. And I think other countries did a really good job of becoming more experimental and pushing the art form. And then in America, we're like, no, we're going to stick to realism yeah, like it and naturalism. <laughs> and, and while there's magical realism and there's ways... It, it we ha- on stage has to be something that has to be live, and if there can be a m- if the movie would be better, then we're yeah. it's hard, especially because we can sit at home and watch Netflix for much cheaper than going to the theater. Yeah, there, I, um, studying film a little bit in college, like there, there's a huge difference between going to a movie, and you know we say that the movie theater is expensive now, 
going to live theater is five, six, ten times more expensive than a movie. Right. Like, <clears throat> and I, I just can't imagine, like, being a sketch comedian, like, doing the same role four times, like, over a two-week span or whatever, that's enough for me. Mm. I can't imagine doing it eight days a week or eight shows a week, seven days, whatever it is. Um, so, like, there's, and then, I don't want to try and say, like, what I want to say without being offensive to theater do or... Do it. Do it. Like, there's... I don't understand... I, I do understand why it's so expensive and, you know, you have to pay for all the upfront fees of, you know, the theater and rehearsals for a month and a half for Friar and, like... But there's just... Like, why is Broadway so expensive? Like, why... The Tonys are such a cool thing... And then you go to New York and you're like, oh, this show is $190 to sit in the middle of a balcony. Like, Right. And what do I need to wear? Do I have to dress up? Oh, I have to get there early. Like, there were all these things, right? Yeah. And add rain and add Netflix. And you're like, nah, I'm going to skip that. It's so much easier to stay home. Like, um, a couple of years ago, for my, I always try to do something fun on my birthday. I went to see the show once. Oh, nice. Um, and I actually... Also a movie. Awesome. <laughs> Because I love the movie so much. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to see, like, one of the final performances of the original cast. Oh, wow, nice. Which is cool enough. But there was a part of me that was like, there's very little difference here than the, from here to the movie. Like, I appreciate the idea of just staging it like this. And the music playing live is cool. Right. But the movie is... Charming so and cool. fantastic. Yeah. Like, and I get to watch it on a couch in my pajamas. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just saying, like, this is what theater is up against. I had to go to against. New York for this. I had to go to New York and, like, wear pants that are a little too tight. I don't and know. it was I, cold. And All it was my like nice <laughs> pants are, like, a little too tight on me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, these are too tight. Um, yeah, it's cold. And there, and theater's like, well, there's discounts. There's, but yeah, we have then we have to wait in a ticks line, or you have to go on a certain yeah. night. It's not like a movie where I can just be like, okay, I'm gonna go buy the ticket. It's twelve dollars, so it's t- it's tough. And theater still, um, like theater audiences tend to be older, and audiences are dying. Yeah. So theaters are desperate. And again, I'm generalizing uh, world, podcast world. I'm generalizing. But theaters are desperate for younger audiences, trying to put bars, and bars I, in their lobbies so there is right. a social element so to it. You have the bars in the, and, and once had the bar on stage Okay. at the beginning of the show. You actually could go up on stage. Total marketing. Pe- like, yeah. Um, but at the same time, in Broadway, I think the huge trend, and it's been a trend for 20 years, and it's not stopping anytime soon, is adapting movies to the theater. Mm. And then you have to create a spectacle out of them. Like, you know, Lion King has the big puppet animatronic animals that they can, that the actors um, control. But like now you have Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote School of Rock for some reason. Like (laughs) these shows might be wonderful, but like, why are we going in this direction with theater when you're talking about theater has to be alive, has to be a live experience, something that you can't do on film, something that is a different, I don't know, uh, environment and experience than what you would get sitting at home. Like how much different is the, the Broadway version of school of rock versus the movie? Right. 
And and it's hard, right? Because just like comedy, there are a lot of different segments of theater. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, musical theater, experimental uh, theater, you know, straight plays. But they're all attempting to create dynamic live performance. And I that is just the question. Does this need to be live to work? And that is always the question if I'm directing something um, or seeing something. And for s- in in w- in ways, comedy tends to be less expensive. You can usually bring booze in with you, and <laughs> uh, co- like the content is constantly being renewed. Right. So, for example, if we're going to do Hedda Gabler and Ibsen play, we still have to sit around and discuss why is this relevant for mm-hmm. audiences? Why this play now? Where we go see sketch or improv. Uh, it was written probably a couple weeks ago. Uh, right. It's relevant, right? <laughs> you and know, so so there is that that element too. That and there's there's a, a difference because uh, I try to get to Chicago every couple years to see Second City, mm-hmm. and Second City's treated like a theater show, like it's actually right. like theater, not what we do at Fit, not what UCB does. Or there's a whole different um, feel to it than what we do here in the city, at least at this point. Like, um, like well, there, yeah. there's a respectability almost. Like, you know, like sketch comedy and improv are still at this level. You know, your experimental theaters are, you know, slightly above maybe. And then your, you know, standard plays and Walnut Street, whatever they're doing or whatever else yeah. is a step above. But, like, how do you bridge the gap between doing the sketch comedy, or what's the fulfillment difference between sketch comedy, Tribe of Fools, whatever other role you're going to take? Like, how how do they, I used the, the, the term earlier, uh, flex different muscles or create different senses of accomplishment for you? Oh, cool. Um, <clears throat> so improv definitely the idea of something being ephemeral, right? Mm -hmm. So we create it and it immediately goes away. There's, there's just excitement. And like, I can play anything in improv. I don't have to worry about the costume, the props. I can create any world I want. I can be any character. So, uh, performing improv and I perform with, um, David Janela and Nick Gillette. It's called DGDK and it's a rock live rock. I heard that was a really cool show. It's like, it's just, it makes me very happy as a player and as an improviser because I have really loud drums um, and there's a lot of movement. And so that for me, and I'm making up characters and worlds and it's very playful. So that hits a lot of my muscles. Tribe of Fools, and this is um, a lot of theater that I think, I think comedy and theater can learn a lot from each other. Um, I think theater we work on a show for like six months mm. and we rehearse right now we're five days a week four hours a night and Yikes. that is a lot of hours but it shows in terms of the the the, the production value in the end in, in terms of the rehearsal and the physicality so that's sort of like diligence and that like that focus on technique and having enough time to discuss technique and, and different options. And you're doing options. a lot of shows like throughout the French festival. Yeah, that's and you learn you learn from each one. So there is something there's something about that that sort of like working on something for that long is really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And you you live in a character for that long is really fulfilling. Um, but I love improv because I can play a bunch yeah. of different. So what I mean when the communities can learn from each other comedy is constantly renewing itself we we very rare would you, will you see a sketch show done multiple times in a year yeah. uh, or revived or right. so i love how comedy it's so new all the time theater 
um, is sometimes not new enough. So sure. we work on something for too long without just putting it up and being fearless like comedians are. But theater, they work on things and they work on technique and they rehearse a lot. So it's 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 interesting. Like I think both communities have a lot that skills that they could definitely take, like the fearlessness of comedians and the the some of the like the practice and the the lots of rehearsal for. Um, theater practitioners not to say that comedians don't practice um but there's just it's a different format it's a completely different way of like how much rehearsal no comedians are like let's put it up and see if it works right. let's not let's not keep it in like a little box yeah. for like six months let's not be too precious about Pressure. let's go We're for theater, it but there's a lot of stuff cool stuff that happens in yeah. that box yeah. so it's like back and forth um so being in both communities um helps me with those two two different mm. muscles which is really nice um, you had mentioned that uh, your Manny Petty castmate cohort, uh, Caitlin Weigel, is writing the yeah. Tribe of Fool show that's going on in so Fringe. So cool. So tell me, about, of worlds. tell me about this particular show. Um, it's called Fishtown, a hipster noir. Okay. Um, and the name Fishtown, the play is set in Fishtown, um, but also it's a la Chinatown. Okay. Um, a noir, um, which I, I love that movie. Um, and a couple things that we knew we wanted to do, Tribal Fools, the company members of Tribal Fools are um, mostly men. Um, I'm one of the first female company members and the mm. only female company member right now. Um, and we haven't had a female writer in many years and we hadn't had a female protagonist in many years. So we knew with this show that we wanted to prioritize, I would just say the female creative voice, just say that as right. a thing. Um, <clears throat> and Caitlin... Um, I was like, you need to read Caitlin's work. She's a sketch writer, but she's written plays. So she's a playwright as well. But she's super talented, and she can write funny jokes. Mm -hmm. She can do this. Um, and she auditioned, and they were blown away with her uh, her writing audition. Um, and so she's been writing the show. And we've been doing what we always do, where we take pages into the room and we improvise off of them. Mm -hmm. um, but this show is about a female detective that uh, has sworn off technology. She has a flip phone. I play this detective. Um, and uh, there is a controversial app developer in Fishtown that has created an app that allows you to live out your wildest fantasies. Okay. Like it's a virtual reality sort of like module. And they're able to, like, con like pull your memories. So it's sort of a controversial app. And so she goes up against this company. The first thing that I think about, I mean, you mentioned that it's a noir in the, the vein of Chinatown and, you know, other films like that. The first thing I think about with the female protagonist is that you have to at least be subverting the damsel in distress. Yeah, the femme fatale, yeah, sort of, yeah. Like, <coughs> you know, I... Is it Faye Dunaway in Chinatown, or? I think so. I'm not good. Obviously, we'll say it's Faye Dunaway. Don't even know if my wrong, teacher's name. So if I'm wrong, well, I'll, you'll just hear a random, some other actor's voice, like, <laughs> like bleeped in. Um, like, is that part of the appeal of this story? Like to do it that like, because yeah. I can't think of any other any female-led noir like, no. at all like. Ever. Yeah. So <laughs> it's definitely uh, to subvert that. Yeah. Um, we will present a lot of the tropes of noir and then flip them. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> you'll see the lady in high heels 
um, but she won't be who you think she is. Okay. So uh, it, that's and Tribal Fools loves doing that, and we've done that in other shows. Um, so yeah, I think it, I'm really excited about the writing is really strong. I love saying Caitlin's words. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always difficult to memorize because she messes with like <laughs> alliteration <laughs> and like it's so like poetically done. But um, to have a, a lead female and to have a woman writing the words that she's mm-hmm. saying, I think is super important, especially because we're tackling and we've chosen a genre that is really male heavy. Right. Uh, so we need a female writer yeah, that's going to have that voice. Chinatown, there's only two actresses. Right. If right. even two. like. But Tribe of Fools, even in the show, there's only, there's three men, two women. Um, and that's just because, you know, we have, uh, there are men in the company, so you mm-hmm. cast out of the company. But the Tribe of Fools have, that they've tackled many important issues, but it, they've been primarily m- uh, male-driven shows in terms of the characters that we care about and the emotional arcs that we follow. There's been women in the shows. There have been interesting female characters. Um, but just we're not really necessarily leads. Yeah, we're really, f- yeah. And as the, you know, we were originally, because the, the main theme of the show is how we connect with each other and ha- okay. um, in this technological world. Um, and how, you know, it's sort of Black Mirror-esque um, with this app developer. But it's really, how do we, with all of these distractions, how do we actually connect? Um, and so when we, were ri- that when we were looking at that theme, the initial cast list was like male detective, femme fatale, mm. app developer, app developer's girlfriend. And we're like, no, no, no. Like, we need to be flipping these. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know. No, like yeah. And, like, why can't we? And this is a, a you know, a, n- new, a neo-noir. So it's like a new, and it's a hipster. So there's the hipster and all the <laughs> Fishtown references. Like, Caitlin lives in Fishtown. So, mm. um Definitely, f- people who live in Fishtown, you will, you will, you will get all, you'll laugh at all the specific restaurants and places we're referencing. Um, I ask everybody uh, because Saturday Night Live is the biggest sketch comedy thing in America or world ever. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Hmm. I mean, who's my fave right now? I'm always a Kristen Wiig fan. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like the Amy Poehler days. Uh, but cast right now? No. To pick? Ever, oh, ever. all right. Well, yeah. I'll just say those right okay. now. Um, Any specific, like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the, I mean, Kristen Wiig because I like the, I like the characters that mm. are wacky, um, that almost live in the world of grotesque characters. Um, that are are super exaggerated. Like I'm thinking of her, uh, like little hands. Uh, like yeah, that. Denise. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just thinking of that one, for example. Um, so being able to perform and push in in that direction is somewhere that I like to live comedically. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the physical humor, um, not just verbal humor. So any performers that really like embody the character and use physical humor on stage is our our cast members I'm going to gravitate towards. So. Um, what's something that you've learned from comedy since you've done it? Like starting back from, I mean, you've done improv and sketches going back to college, real theater movement, you know, Del Arte and everything else. What's something that you've learned from comedy that you could either, either, you know, a life lesson, like, 
existential or just Ooh. a practical <laughs> tip for writing and performing whatever whatever yeah. floats for you um a great quote that i always come back to is um we laugh at what we recognize so mm-hmm. this idea of not of really trying to recreate real life um and just the fact of being specific and telling stories that connect to people um that is where the humor lives mm-hmm. um and so moving away towards making just in my performance because i love jokes but moving away from making these quick jokes and actually trying to play a real person um on stage and yeah i mean and i all improvisers are always like yes and Mm. but i try so hard to be like a yes ander in my life and it's so hard it's so hard not to be like yes but right um and i just i tried in just the past couple years especially just in terms of where i'm at i've just tried to be more present in my Mm. life and listen more and less in my phone and so the improv and comedy being present bring being in the moment with the audience with another person on stage and when i'm literally like going out to coffee with someone just to be where i am yeah and like see where i am um and be connected so those are my biggest things I take away from comedy, but I think comedy is the art form that will outlive all the others. I truly believe that. I think that's a pretty safe yeah. bet. Like, right. I mean, I, I that's cause I think, I think for one laughter is universal, like, um, and it's much more easy. Like there's so many shows on TV. Like I haven't gone through bit breaking bad on Netflix Cause I don't like, I feel like that's going to be like a chore at a certain point, like to mm-hmm. go through this emotional <laughs> thing, but I will rewatch what how American summer or like oh something gosh, funny, so like over and over again. But the, yeah, but the best emotional actors can also do comedy. Yeah. So it's like the comedians, it's a, there's humor. It's like they, they, it's, they do, it's almost like they choose humor because they could easily do yeah. the dramatic stuff. Like Brian Cranston. Like, yeah, exactly. You, he, he wins Emmys for, Breaking Bad, but he was known as a comic actor before that. Like, and it, it comes down to culturally, we need to consider comedy as an equal art form to theater. Because I went to the, this, you know, this Italian school I went to, you know, super fancy theater mm. school. They're using the same terms that we use in comedy. Right. Same terms. Instead of calling it game, they call it theme. Instead of calling, you know, it's this, and same with theater. If it works, it works. If live performance works, it works. And it's the same techniques, the same elements. We just have different ways of talking mm-hmm. about them. So, and, yeah. And why do you do it? Why do I do it? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I love connecting with people. I love making them laugh. I love being on stage. Um, and I love working on it. I love thinking about what, what makes people laugh. So I also like, I'm like writing papers about comedy. I'm in grad school right now. So I'm also like interested in comedy theory. So that's why I do it. I also teach it. And I would say that I love teaching it more than I love performing it. Because yeah. I can really, I'm, the more connection I have with a student or performer, the more I can share it, the better. Right. Wow. Okay. What are you writing in grad school? Like what, like what's... What's a paper that you've written in comedy theater? Comedy theater? Uh, like recently, I presented at a conference that was about Tribe of Fools um, actually prioritizing the female voice in this in this process. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, interviewing different companies, why 
there are less women doing comedy theater or less women that consider themselves comedic theater artists. Mm -hmm. So thinking about also just like diversity. So I'd write a paper about that. Um, and why am I the first female company member um, in a comedic? Right. So, you know, and there's tons of articles like women in comedy, why women feel like they can't be funny, um, or there's not a lot of theater parts for women and there's not as many theater parts for women and much very small comedic theater parts right, for women. Uh, yeah. So if you come out and you're like, I'm a funny theater actor woman, like you just hardly There's not have, much there's there. There's not as much. And women, I mean, still we're, there's tons more women in Philly comedy, which is amazing, but we're still, we're still in rooms with mostly men typically um, some of the time. So it's also like how women navigate. I'm interested in also organizationally how women navigate like keeping their positions but also voicing their opinions in creative rooms mm -hmm. so I write papers about that I'm also like hoping to go to Bali in a couple years and um, study uh, Balinese Taiping which is like a mask Bali like yeah like Asia and in Indonesia yeah <laughs> I would love to go there in a couple <laughs> years I'm like writing grant proposals right now I like yeah every two years I lose my mind and <laughs> the country um Why? but so there's comedy in that but no one's really so there's comedy in a whole bunch of art forms but because there's not the, there's not you can't go to college and major in comedy i mean couple schools you can yeah um there are a couple of comedy studies programs but because it is not a academic form there's not like a comedy journal per se sure um like there are theater journals so i'm actually trying to write comedy Similar how I would write about theater, but th I'm writing about comedy and Balinese mask drama, how they use comedy specifically. So I would write a paper about that. <laughs> how do you find out about Balinese mask drama? Like, I don't, I'm so confused. Honestly, honestly, I like the people who you like, I read their bios. Like, so if I like do a workshop with someone who I like, I read their bios. I see where they trained. Um, and th and these are my peers too, where I'm like, oh, I love that you know how to do that. How do you how do you know how to right, do that? Okay. And like just getting people to discuss their training. Um, but really, my teachers in Italy trained in Bali, and a lot of the mask work. We don't do a lot of mask work. I teach red nose clown, which is a mask, but you don't really see a lot of right. mask full mask or half mask work in the United States. Um, but it all, so much of that tradition um, originated. I mean, Julie Taymor, who did the Lion King, we're talking about the Lion mm -hmm. King studied in Bali okay. so a lot of those masks and those that that tradition um so a lot of artists have gone to Bali so it's not a novel idea so it's at not all. as weird as I think it is but it is still I mean, it is still it's not as out of the blue it or, is still yeah. out of the blue but like in my like tiny community of like movement-based <laughs> artists it's like oh, okay yeah <laughs> um so um but I yeah I'm constantly uh, the best advice I ever got was keep doing interesting things. And so I, um, you know, I have to work all the not interesting jobs to do the interesting right. things, but I just, I'm trying to be present and follow interesting things. That's my thing right now. And Bali seems like a the, cool the ride. The next interesting, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, but this is what happens. I'm, like, in the comedy community and theater communities, which don't really intersect a lot, so I disappear from one when I'm in the other. Yeah, they, they don't, and I I understand partially why, but I don't understand It's a little bit of theater people with their noses up, a little yeah. bit, with, like, nah. But it's the same thing. 
I mean, comedians, people who don't see good theater, they're like, oh, theater is that boring show I have to, had to see in like middle school. Right. You know, where it's like in theater, people are like, oh, comedy is that one bad comedy show I saw. So right. we both, sure. we both like are both communities and also time, right? You just don't have enough time in your week to be completely involved in both communities or to see. So I'm trying to get to mix the communities up and I'm sympathetic. Um, but the more we can treat comedy as a very important part of our culture and, uh, and an important art form that needs to be written about, the more scholars can write about it, the more, like, mm-hmm. it, the more it's going to, and it's going to, like I said, it's going to outlive us all. Like, there's a, uh, was it, there's a joke in The Simpsons of, like, the, the film festival uh, of the Jim Carrey Film Festival. Like, <laughs> it's one of those, like, future episodes. And, you know, there, there's, like, this... Now, granted, I think the, the episode came out, like, 95 or 96. So it was before, like, he got serious and did, like, that that stint of uh, Man on the Moon, Truman Show, mm. Eternal Sunshine. He was just, like, the, the mask, like, and everything. Right. But, yeah, I think, I think comedy should be studied. I like books about comedy. Easy. There's more. I mean, but it is now. I mean, the, these training institutions are getting bigger and bigger, and more and more people are having the training and mm-hmm. I like that it's not just you know it's not just theater people or people who, that came out of performance training it's accountants it's lawyers it's yeah. like everyone is getting this comedy training and they have the skills to do what theater people are doing so the training is more accessible for comedy as well which yeah. is awesome um, and I think yeah I think both communities have a lot to learn from the the other um, but yeah I um I ha- yeah. Anyway, I always I'm just like it's fun because I like I'm like oh yeah I'm back in the comedy community people know me again and then I'm like bye going to Bali you know <laughs> bye going to Italy uh, but then I come back and I think I have interesting extra things to teach <laughs> to come back it with. certainly doesn't <laughs> help with me like remaining <laughs> I don't know relevant performer <laughs> in this city but oh relevance can be a little who cares yeah who cares <laughs> all right thanks Tara. This was so great. We didn't even talk about this weird sketch. Or did we? Oh, yeah, we did. We We did. did. (laughs) I don't even remember it. That's how. It was 50 minutes ago. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. You're amazing. Tara can be seen next as Tribe of Fools presents Fishtown a hipster noir at the Lewis Bluver Theater at the Drake. They're doing 14 shows throughout the month of September, starting on the 8th. So there are plenty of chances for you to go. More specifics and the ticket information can be found at tribeoffools.org. Like I said up top, if you want to see me, sink or sketch at Fitz Second Stage on September 7th at 9 p.m. and monologues on September 14th at 9.30 Philly Sketch Fest presents Philly Sketch Fringe. Three shows on September 15th at the Comedy Sports Theater. Tickets and more information can be found at myfirstsketch.com slash sketchfringe. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, this is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. 
Now go see some comedy.